Hello and welcome to Haunted Hometowns, your weekly true crime paranormal podcast. My name is Blake Lambert-Hack and this season I will be covering deaths and hauntings in Salem, Massachusetts with a different special guest every week. Tonight I am joined by an IT working for ABC, super exciting, Stephen Plazak. How are you? I'm doing good. This is exciting. I've never been on a podcast. I barely listen to podcasts. I'm ready to go. <laughs> then you don't have to worry about, uh, yeah, I'm impressing, or like... Uh, yeah, impersonating anybody. Right, right, right. I, yeah, I won't be Joe Rogan. I won't be uh, <laughs> David Stern. Uh, yeah, no worries there. Yeah, just it's just Steven, and Steven's has nothing to compare it to, so... Yeah. Full, uh, full personality. Getting full Steven. Yes, that's what I was getting at. <laughs> so, okay, Steve, how would you describe a ghost? Oh, man. I don't like... Oh, God, I think <laughs> ghosts are, like, everywhere. Uh, the, other day, <laughs> the other day, we went to a thrift shop, and I saw a doll in the corner, and I literally did not sleep for, like, two and a half weeks because I thought something was following me. I mean... I've said it before, but dolls are definitely top five creepiest. Yep. Yeah. But I think, yeah, ghosts are anything you just kind of see that you don't see then, like, two <laughs> seconds later. So it's something you have to see. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Or just, I don't know, it could be a presence. Could it be a sound? Could be a sound. <laughs> okay. Yep. Cool. I mean, again, it's up to interpretation. Exactly. So, yeah, I feel that. No, children that you can't see but hear or feel yep. scariest thing in the world dolls are up there my grandma got us dolls that looked like us when we were growing up so i had like <laughs> oh, no. i had like five porcelain dolls that looked like me you know the like uh yeah. back then i had like white blonde hair so it was white blonde hair and they were like doing different things right so one had like a toilet roll in its hand with like this <laughs> did she find these? i have no idea that's a great question apparently like i used to i had the habit of unrolling toilet paper so i mean like as mm-hmm. a lot of kids do so it was like a, a kid that looked like me with the white blonde hair with a light blue like onesie on like a pjs mm-hmm. with a giraffe embroidered on one side of it with like a toilet paper in his finger or whatever it's like but there were five of them and they all sat on my bookshelf on the top of my bookshelf and at the time i was in a bug bed on the top bunk so i fell asleep staring at these five dolls that looked like me no it's a no-go no thank you (laughs) it's terrifying it's late at night as a young kid no did they ever move you know what i i at that point i would tell you yes yeah you see so that thrift shop we went to there was a doll, and then Dana, of course, who is my fiance, wasn't here. She was like in Colorado for a week. Right. So I and we live in like a hundred year old building. I swear <laughs> there was like the presence of the doll in the bed with me. <laughs> Annabelle followed you back home. Yeah. Yeah. One thousand percent. So does that mean you believe in ghosts? Yes. A hundred. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I, it's not like horror movies playing tricks on you. No. It's like okay. I've seen ghosts. I okay. yeah, feel ghosts all the time. Perfect. Yep. How much do you know about Salem, Massachusetts? Almost nothing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I know it's a place. Yes. Uh, I've been to the state. Yes. Um, I can't spell the Massachusetts, but... That's okay. It's too many letters. Yep. So... But uh, I, I've heard of it. Okay. Well, <laughs> the last six epi- episodes I was talking about the Salem Witch Trials which is probably what most people know about Salem. But we're done with that. We're moving on. We're time traveling from 1692 to 1830. So this is the murder of... I will probably talk through most of the trains, but when we're talking about the murder... So it's the murder of Captain Joseph White in 1830. Okay. So... Early in the morning of April 7th, 1830, around 6 o'clock, 
handyman Benjamin White awoke to begin his chores for the day. As he made his way to the backyard, he noticed that one of the ground floor windows was open with a plank leaning against the house. Knowing that Captain Joseph White had a substantial amount of money and valuables in the house, Benjamin believed a burglar broke in. He rushed back into the house and notified Lydia Kimball, who was a servant in the house. The two employees raced upstairs to warn their employer. The 82-year-old man's bedroom door was wide open when they got there. Captain Joseph White was found laying on his right side, diagonally across his bed. His left temple and chest had visible blows. Blood soaked the sheets. Captain Joseph White was dead. What? Wait, his last name was White? Yes. And... The servant's last name was White? The handyman's last name was White, yeah. Were they related? They were, and I'll get into that. Oh, uh, man. I believe he was his, like, nephew or something. Because, see, that's, like, the first thing I saw wrong with this story. <laughs> was, like, clearly it's the 1800s, and they've never seen a movie where the windows open. Right. Because, you know, you're no, there's no way in hell you're going in that house. No, you... <laughs> right. Instead of, like, checking on your employee, you're probably your first bet is calling the police and then checking on the play. Or if you call the police, they're like, don't go into that house. Yeah. I love <laughs> I love my employer, if you're listening. But if something's going on, I'm not going to help you out. No, you, safe, you, you need to put your airbag on first yep. before helping the exactly. person next to you. Absolutely. <laughs> I see. If they're kind of related, though, maybe you go in. I, it just says distant relatives. Well, in the 1800s, I think everyone's a relative at this right. point. <laughs> Fair, absolutely. (laughs) So, okay. Obviously, we don't know too much about Joseph's early life because he was born in 1748, so there's not... Did they even know how to write at that point? No, No. nobody knew how to write. Nobody knew how to read. It was like Like, Arabic. Exactly. It's just word of mouth. Yes. (laughs) But I believe he was born in the Massachusetts Bay Colony before the United States was the thing. Uh, Obviously, don't quote me on that, but... He was old when this happened, so just that's all that matters. (laughs) What I do know is that he became a very wealthy shipmaster, uh, a.k.a. captain. He also dealt in trading. Uh, At that time, he traded goods, but also traded enslaved people. So we don't love him. Classic Captain White. Classic (laughs) Captain White, exactly. (laughs) Uh, He owned one of the largest houses at the time in Salem. So it was, it's very estately looking. It's still there today. But um, I'll, sh- I'll throw photos on social media cool. and I'll show you photos. But in 1830, Joseph was retired. So when he died, he was retired. He was a widower and he never had any children. So he just had this wealth of money to himself. And probably slaves. And uh, I don't think at Is... this point he had slaves because I think... Do you think he got out of the slave game? Well, it was ramping up to the Civil War, and he's Ooh. in the North, so Ooh, it's like... okay. We'll get into more of that a little yeah. later, but... Because uh, the first thing, like, your first thought of the slave killed him. Right. Yeah. But I don't think he, at this point, there were any slaves. Okay. He at least didn't have any in the house. Got it. He may have, like, owned enslaved people, and I hate using that terminology, but had enslaved people working for him at the shipyards or something yeah. like that but he is retired and there weren't any in the house yeah. okay so uh he lived with his niece mary beckford who served as the housekeeper lydia kimball who i mentioned earlier uh he was joseph's servant and then the handyman was benjamin white who was a distant relative though i don't know it could be like a third cousin it could yeah. be uh, numerous different things mm-hmm. but uh Mary Beckford's daughter, Mary. God, the 1800s I know. suck. <laughs> Awful names. Mary Junior, I guess. Uh, it's just a bad name. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and we'll call her MJ. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Uh, she also lived in the house until she was married three years prior to the murder. Okay. Uh, she married one of Joseph's employees, a shipmaster of a vessel Joseph owned, and his name was Joe Jank. Joe Jenkins Knapp Jr. So we have Captain Joseph White. Okay. His niece, Mary Beckford. Her daughter, we're going to call her MJ. And her fiance, Joe Jenka, 
Jenkins Knapp Jr., who I'll call Joe. Okay. So, just to clarify, <laughs> I will be calling the captain either Captain or Joseph, and then MJ's fiance, like husband, soon to be, I'll be calling Joe. Got it. So, Joseph Joe. Just get, so get we're your clear, the <laughs> doozy. Yes, uh, keep track with your uh, <laughs> if you're keeping track. Uh, so at the time of the murder, Joe and MJ were living on a farm seven miles away. So they weren't in the house during yeah. the murder. They were seven miles away at their own place. So immediately after Joseph's body, the captain was found. His nephew Stephen White was contacted. Stephen was a Massachusetts legislator at the time and had certain connections in the area. So Stephen sent for a prominent Salem physician. His name was Samuel Johnson. And then his, the captain's nephew, Stephen, also sent for his business partner, William Ward. It's a lot of names. I'll, I'll let you know which ones are important to keep track of and stuff like that. But so far, it's like... The most important ones are just the captain and his family. So, Got it. While Samuel, the physician, checked on Joseph's body, William, the business partner, checked out the backyard, like the window and everything, where he discovered two muddy footprints. William covered the footprints with a milk pan to preserve them as best as possible, which I think is pretty smart for the 1800s. Yeah, like, I would have never thought it... Right. I probably wouldn't even think of that now, and I watch, like, <laughs> Criminal Minds every night. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd hope that at this point we'd be taking photos, but I don't know if that would stand up in court. It'd be like, yeah, I promise there were too many footprints. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he covered them with milk, pa- milk pans to preserve them, and then after checking Joseph's body, Samuel concluded that the captain was murdered three to four hours earlier. So do we know what time that was? So that would have been like 2 a.m., maybe a little earlier than that, but like really late at night. Maybe, yeah, maybe midnight, something like that. Well, it's hard because they found him at 6 a.m. We'll get into this because the autopsy, different people do different autopsies and they kind of conclude different things. So that's kind of, it's kind of hard to say. And it's also the 1800s. Yeah. So I don't know how... Like the sundial wasn't working at that point. Right. I don't think they had that... Um, I don't know what it's called, but the thermometer, I guess, that you put in the body to oh, s- yeah. check the body temp yeah. that will tell you how many hours are... I don't think they had that at the no. time. And you're right, there's sundials in it. <laughs> like... But all we know is it was prime ghosting hour. Prime ghosting prime hour. Prime ghost hour. Middle of the night. PGH. The, the full moon is out. <laughs> <laughs> so... During the autopsy, he discovered 13 stab wounds, five in the heart, three in the left chest, and five near the back, as if Joseph, like, lifted his arm to defend himself, and then was, like, stuck underneath his arm type deal. Um, And 13, I believe they would say that's a personal attack. That's a lot of stab wounds. Yeah, that's like... You're not just stabbing them and running away. Right. You want to do some damage. Yeah, this isn't your run-of-the-mill burglary mm. where I'm grabbing the jewels, stabbing you just so you can't catch me. Like, they're taking the time. 13, that would take a lot of energy, too. Yes. Not that I've stabbed somebody 13 <laughs> times, but I mean five times. And that took a lot out of me. Uh, you need your inhaler for that. <laughs> So all the stab wounds were similar in size and depth, leading Samuel, the physician, to believe it was the same weapon, meaning it was one intruder. Mm -hmm. So that was his take on the whole attack. Uh, Because the blood dripped out of the wounds, Samuel believed Joseph was struck in the head first, causing him to have like kind of like a concussion, which like the circulation of the blood, the blood slowed down because he was unconscious. If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know all the science behind this. So yeah. don't like, if this doesn't make any sense, you can email me, but what's shocking is someone in the 1800s. I feel like now, even with zero medical background, we should still know better than somebody in the 1800s on this. And this guy's like totally schooling me. Right. I, exactly. <laughs> Everything he's saying makes perfect it sense. Makes perfect to sense. Yeah. He's like, 
because it oozed out and didn't spray when he was stabbed, it was he was unconscious first. I mean, okay, we're okay. short. <laughs> a second autopsy was done 36 hours later with the help from Samuel's colleague, Abel Pearson. And uh, the two doctors agreed on most things that happened you know the 13 stab wounds uh being unconscious first and then being stabbed things like that the blow to the head caused a skull fracture and a dagger making the chest wounds was also agreed upon and then because the uh stab wounds were so deep or whatever the guard on the knife or on the dagger broke some ribs too so that's how like deep and forceful they were being plunged in the main disagreement though is that samuel the first doctor believed it was one attacker like i was saying Mm -hmm. whereas abel believed it was it could be more than one attacker he didn't quite agree that it was just one person to do all the the hitting the the stabbing yeah all of it i don't interesting take yeah and that'll come back later but he didn't really say why he thought it was more Mm -hmm. than one he just didn't it could be he didn't want to limit the search to just one person i feel like if it was only if it was more than one person though there wouldn't have been a lot of like defensive like he wouldn't have like been able to hold his arms up to stop anybody right just been like gung-ho stab this guy yeah you'd think if there was more than one person that one person would hold the guy down and the other person would do the stabbing the stabbing that's just teamwork right (laughs) (laughs) so the salem gazette published the story and the idea that there could be more than one attacker or that there was conspiracy happening within salem and because of that post it like freaked out the town of course everyone was like oh my god people are out to get everyone did this happen before the witch trials no this was like way after the witch trials like 150 years after or something so they've already ruled out witches yeah (laughs) they're like we're not doing that again no no witches. (laughs) we've already done that we're trying to move past the witch thing (laughs) um but yeah people generally were just freaked out so they became skeptical of their neighbors and family like even Stephen, the legislator his brother-in-law accused Stephen of the murder because Stephen inherited the bulk of Joseph's estate when he died. So people were so upset about the murder that the town put together a 27-person watch. Whoa. So kind of like a vigilante-type group, I guess. The group was given permission to search any house. Let's go. That's Let's insane. Go. Let's go. <laughs> I'm taking full advantage of that. I just can't believe like the police or like the government were like, sure. You have no training. You have no, like, background. Go, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> if you find the killer, great. Yeah, we'll believe you. Oh, my God. Like, they also gave them permission to, like, interrogate anybody they wanted. See, this is this is the kind of government we need now. <laughs> yeah, are you listening, Joe Biden? Yeah, ain't please. nothing sliding in this America. <laughs> so, the government offered... Or, I guess not the government, even though they're kind of backing this vigilante group, but the vigilante group offered a $1,000 reward for information that led to the murderer. And the investigation didn't do very well because there were too many suspects and not enough evidence. Because 27 people are just randomly accusing (laughs) anybody for money. Exactly. It didn't do well because the 27 people are like, bakers a school teacher you know a banker like they're not (laughs) they're not cops or detectives no not even a little bit so again there also just wasn't enough evidence for anything the only evidence they had were the muddy footprints and which didn't say much and again too many suspects like at this point half the town are like they did it wasn't there (laughs) only one set of muddy footprints though too yeah, there's one, it was one set, yeah. I guess I should say. Yeah, for sure. So scientists were using plaster casts for fossils at that time. Brilliant. But the police weren't using casts yet. So the footprints in the mud were never preserved. And which like fascinates me. And I know like police are always like, the last people to use something when it comes to like genealogy right now it's like we've had it for a long time now and police are now finally starting to use it to like catch people i know there's a lot of legal things involved with that but it's like 
all the tools are there if you just used them. Yeah, or if you just have enough people to work. <laughs> <laughs> that too, exactly. Uh, the other issue is that like nothing was stolen in the house. So initially Benjamin was like, oh my God, a burglar's in the house. Nothing was taken. Yeah. So there wasn't even like a clear motive to the murder. Unless you just hate the guy. And yeah, revenge is like the yeah. only possible <laughs> motive at this point. So... I'm sure, as you can guess, with slave talk and stuff, Joseph wasn't the most well-liked person in town. Boom. <laughs> most super wealthy people aren't, especially if they used their money and power to get whatever they wanted, such as Joseph did. And again, he had no responsibilities. He's a retired person with no wife or kids. Like, You're probably living in like a mansion. Yes. Yeah. He did whatever he wanted to do whenever he wanted to do it. So I, I know that life. Oh, yeah, you just live in a castle in Chicago. In Chicago. (laughs) You know the castle in Chicago? That's mine. We're not talking about the murder castle. No, no. No, no. The other, the really nice castle. Right. (laughs) Next door to the murder castle. Surprise, I own Sears Tower. (laughs) How nice would that be? That would be sweet. (laughs) A hundred and some floors to do what you will. And a do-right donuts in the basement. (laughs) Do-right. I forgot. This episode sponsored by Do-right Donuts. I fucking wish. Do-right, if you're listening, I love your gluten-free donuts. I love your vegan donuts. Lemon pistachio donuts. Uh, uh, The chicken sandwich covered, like, the bread is donut, so We're not asking for full sponsorship, but, like, one 12-pack that's, like, $30, we'll take that. And I will shout out every 12 donut. Yeah. All 12 of them. (laughs) So, okay. (laughs) If you're listening, let me know. Um... So for like an example of like people not liking him is that when MJ and Joe were engaged, Joseph accused Joe of wanting his money. Again, like Joe worked for the captain. So when he started dating his niece's daughter, got it. He's like, you're not, you don't love her. You're just after my money, which again, wealthy people are paranoid like that. Mm -hmm. So when they did get married without Joseph's consent, he completely cut them out of the will and fired Joe. Ooh. Which, like, nowadays wouldn't stand up, like, take him to court. But in 1830... That's a savage move. Yeah, it's... That's that's so messy. Like, it's just, like... So he's got a lot of enemies. Yeah, slowly building up, for sure. On top of that... He traded enslaved people to make a lot of his money. Like, that was the majority of his money was dealing in enslaved people. And owning people wasn't abolished in Massachusetts until 1783. So come 1830, it was abolished by then. But trading people was outlawed five years later. So that was until 1788. Okay. However, in 1788, Joseph made it clear he had, quote, no reluctance in selling any part of human race, unquote. So he literally was just like, I don't give two shits. Money is money. Yeah. I do what I want. Even, even after it's abolished, even though it's outlawed, he's like, I don't give a fuck. So a lovely man. <laughs> <sighs> Gotta love Captain, Captain uh, Joe. Yeah. Captain Joseph. Joe. Joseph. <sighs> Greed really just... You know what? If ghosts killed this guy, good for the ghosts. <laughs> I, you know what? Yeah, I want a murderous ghost. I hope the ghost did some really weird things to his body. <laughs> so, if a ghost kills you, can the ghost then kill your ghost? I think that's only fair. Yeah, that's a double murder. That's the way it should that's be. That's how it should be. If any ghosts are listening, yeah. <laughs> email me. <laughs> Let me know what the rules are in ghost world. <laughs> So there was even a revolt on one of Joseph's ships by the enslaved people aboard. He also traded in goods like codfish and shoes, which I think is a weird that's, mix. But but you know what? That's fine. You 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 sell your shoes. Yes. Yeah, that's fine. You can make a living off selling shoes. People make a ton of money selling fish. Yeah. Great. Just do that. Lovely. Yep. Yeah, you do not, like, he was known for selling, like, trinkets in Africa to pay for enslaved people and then would bring them over to the United States. It's like... You almost had it, buddy. Ass- just, <laughs> like, it's, it goes without saying, so I don't really have words to, you know, we, everybody just knows. We yeah. all feel it. He's just, like, not a great man. So, 
he would sell trinkets to people in Africa. He would like have enslaved people on his ship. He would sail to the Caribbean, sell the enslaved people for gold. Okay. And that's how he made a majority of his money. Many merchants at that time made their money this way and kept it on the DL because of the rise of anti-slavery views in the North. Basic human decency, but you know. (laughs) Okay, so that's how he made his money. That's why people didn't like him. He just did one shitty thing after another. And so about a week and a half after the murders, we're back in 1830, Stephen received a letter from a jailer who said an inmate named Hatch overheard two brothers. I think Hatch is a great... I think Hatch should be a name that does come back. Yes. All these other ones, except Stephen, has been a lame name. (laughs) But Hatch is really cool. Yes. And if there was one Mary or one Joe, sure. Sure. I don't need more than one. No. Yeah, Hatch is cool. But apparently Hatch overheard two brothers, Richard and George Crownshield. Crownshield. George Ritchie? Richard and and George Crowninshield. Okay. Not George Ritchie. <laughs> no. <laughs> the two brothers talked about stealing a chest filled with gold in Joseph's house. So even though the new newspapers are saying nothing was stolen, these two brothers are like, we stole a chest of gold. Interesting. From the house. On May 5th, so this is like a month after the murder, Richard was indicted for murder. Cap- the Captain Joseph's murder. Mm-hmm. His brother George and two other men were charged with abetting the crime. Okay. The crime seemed to be solved, but about 10 days later, Joe Knapp's father, so <laughs> the husband of MJ, okay, his father, father received a letter demanding $350, and if it wasn't paid they would, like, his family would be ruined. Interesting. But going back a little bit, Hatch yeah. Yeah. is totally in the clear. Did Hatch get, like, $1,000 for... That's an excellent question. I don't know the... Hatch is the real star of this show. Yes, he should get that $1,000. Yes. Use it for some... You know, he's in jail for a while, so he, like, buy some goldfish. Goldfish. And toothpaste. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, a modest home on the coast. A thousand dollars in eighteen thirty? That's like insane. Yeah. That's a lot of money. And I mean like these people are demanding uh, Joe's father three hundred and fifty dollars. Which so, is probably like an insane amount of exactly. money. Exactly. A thousand bucks? You're right. I hope Hatch got that money. I hope Hatch lived till like he was a hundred and got married, had like three kids and Please. just was very happy. R.I.P. Hatch. We love Hatch. Uh, so this letter was signed, quote, Charles Grant. Nobody knows who Charles Grant is. It's probably just a name that Everyone someone made up. Named Grant, Mary, or Joe. Right. <laughs> so Joe was showed the letter from his father, and his response was, it's, quote, a devilish lot of trash, unquote. And then he told his father to give the letter to the 27 vigilantes to be like, figure it out. So. <laughs> hey, idiots. Good luck. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what this fucking letter means. Have at it. Have at it. Good luck. So the committee sent $50 with a promise of more to come to the person who sent the letter. But instead of more money, they sent someone to apprehend whoever received the letter. So they put the letter back in the mail with $50. Good old bait move. Yes, exactly. And then, like, because it's 1830, I'm sure the mailman wandered up to the (laughs) box. They followed the mailman to wherever he dropped it off. Like, it's not. (laughs) This is, no one's done this. Right. It's not some, like, wired transfer to the Swiss bank accounts. Like, it's, I'm going to walk my ass over. But, uh, yeah, so I don't. That's my guess. best guess at how they found whoever sent the letter. Uh, but they did find him, and his name was John C.R. Palmer. I'm assuming C.R. is Charles Grant. John C.R. Palmer. And he was initially arrested as an accessory to murder of Captain Joe, but he was given immunity for his testimony. So he was one of the men that was like, you were part of this even though you didn't murder him. We're going to arrest you. But then he gave his testimony against Richard and George. 
so they let him off. And he got fifty dollars. And he got fifty. <laughs> he got fifty dollars. <laughs> and he got out of being accused of murder. Um, yeah. So like, he finally gets off for testifying, and then immediately was like, you know what? I'm gonna blackmail someone. <laughs> and he loses his genius title exactly (laughs) so this is john's story okay the guy who wrote the letter this is his account he was at richard and george's house the brothers when he overheard george tell richard that they were hired by joe so mj's husband. husband they were hired by joe to kill captain joseph for a thousand dollars by the end of may joe confessed he believed if joseph were to die before his will was official his fortune would be split amongst relatives giving mj a considerable amount of money fair in preparation of the murder, Joe broke into the captain's house and stole what he believed was Joseph's latest will. So he found the will and was oh, like, oh, so there was cool. a burglary. Yes. So, okay. but nobody knew what he stole. He stole the will. Right, exactly. Yeah. Joe hid the document and after the murder, burned the will to get rid of the evidence. However, what Joe didn't know was that the official legal will was in a safe in Joseph's lawyer's office so the will was just kind of like a mock-up that he burned however the real will was in a safe which where it should be that's where it should be (laughs) joe and his brother frank contemplating murdering joseph but frank said he didn't have it in him to actually commit the murder so they hired richard and george to kill the captain so, does that yeah, all make this sense? Is, I'm following it now. Okay, so MJ's husband and his brother hatched this plot to kill the captain so they would get money, not knowing that they weren't going to get the money regardless. Yeah. And uh, they couldn't go through with it, so they hired these two brothers to do it. You have to think, at this time, this is probably, like, the fourth time this has ever happened. Yeah, it's not co- like that's why it shook Salem so much. I know, that, this like is, this a is like murder like this. Now we think this is like comic book. Everyone does this, right? We we've seen serial yes. killers, so at this point, yeah. it's like eh, you always okay. kill the rich guy to take his money, right? Yeah, that's just common sense. It's Robin Hood material. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> never before had this been done. No, no, not at all. Yeah, I think serial killers weren't even like a thing yet. I, I don't think serial was a thing yet. Oh my god, you're right. Because I think that happened in like the 1900s. Like, what? what a sad life. I know, right? No mini wheat thins. You know what's even sadder? No do right donuts. Damn. <sighs> do you think they were making donuts back then? You know, we like we. I know we get like <laughs> croissants. No, I. Uh, no, because it wasn't sugar really hard to like get at this time too. <laughs> you know what? Probably because they hadn't. Uh, attacked hawaii or cuba or anything like that so sad no donuts (laughs) no no do rights (laughs) so on april 2nd day like what was that five days before the murder the four men joe frank richard george met to discuss the plan richard took it upon himself to bring the tools to do the murdering to this little meeting he brought... Hey, guys, look what I got. I got literally. a knife. <laughs> he brought a club he made himself. Like, he was too amped about this murder. <laughs> it's like, just grab something from home. You don't need to hand-make a murder <laughs> weapon. He like, ripped a stick off a tree and, like, sharpened it to a point. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> like, I, I can't remember what exactly he used, but he... Uh, the handle of it was like stoned so it had like a grip to it so he was like this man was born to be a killer yes like it's <laughs> man like come on like and somehow he's not even the worst guy in the story i know <laughs> he didn't even like hi- yeah he was the hired hitman but uh yeah he made the club he uh brought and then he brought a five inch long dagger and then four days later at 10 p.m richard crawled through the window on the first floor in the back unscrewed okay so he crawled through the window but when joe got that will a couple days before he unscrewed the window as he was leaving got it 
So Joe snuck in probably because he'd been there a lot and yeah. knew how to get around, but he unscrewed the back window. So, so then two days later, Richard could get in without any disruptions or taking too long or whatever the case may be. And then uh, he murdered Joseph. So this is where the timeline kind of is iffy. So like the Samuel, the physician, was saying it was four hours prior to when he noticed it, which would put it at like 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. However, they're saying that Richard crawled through the window at like 10 p.m. And I don't think it takes him four hours to murder this man. No. Because he's, what, like, 80? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no, like, chase scene happening. There's no, like, you know what I mean? Uh, I could see maybe an hour just so he can, like, make sure nobody's awake in the house. Yeah, like, maybe or, clean like, up. A, like, I don't even know if he's got to clean up. No, right. I just would probably him sneaking through the house so the other three people yeah. don't wake up. Maybe he got, like, hungry midway through. Got the munchies, the killing munchies. There's like, there are people who do that. They yeah. like kill somebody and then they go in the kitchen and like eat a Pringle. And it's like, <laughs> eat a can you eat at like, do you don't have to eat at the house. Like, go to the Pizza Hut down the street and get something. Like, I don't understand. Could you imagine the other three people in the house? Is someone eating Pringles downstairs? <laughs> that is like an amazing SNL sketch of just someone like sneaking through the house and all of a sudden you just hear the one <laughs> crunch of a pringle them trying to dig their like large club <laughs> hands into the dead yes. canister like you have to tilt it upside down <laughs> and shake the pringle out or them making the duck face with the two pringles <laughs> covered in blood yes oh my god yeah i so i don't know the time frame is a little iffy that's why i say it's like it was around midnight because i don't trust yeah. the physician to know it was yeah. four hours it was probably like eight yeah but whatever <laughs> okay so Massachusetts state law at the time stated that trials for people that were accused of accessory of the crime would not be held till after the principal suspect had been tried first. Does that make sense? Yeah. So Richard had to go through his trial first before anybody else could go through their trials. Mm -hmm. With that in mind, Richard hanged himself in his cell in Salem jail with two silk handkerchiefs. Genius. Yeah. Genius. He was thinking ahead. He knew, he knew the state, uh, (laughs) the, the, the laws of the, of murder, I guess. But since Richard couldn't be tried legally, the other three wouldn't be tried. You know who I bet came up with that rule? This idiot 27 people that like were, (laughs) have no clue of how the law works oh yeah they're like how do we try these accessory guys if we don't know who did it (laughs) it's like no one did the murder then oh my god it's probably some like a higher up official who's like i don't want to go to jail for some bullshit so i'm gonna write this law so i can't be tried for this and then kept hiring hitmen who would then kill themselves and he was like yeah perfect yep (laughs) so the prosecution move like the prosecution's move was to make frank a principal instead of just an accomplice so frank would have been a principal with richard so they both Both were were the murderers Yeah. yeah therefore allowing joe and george to be tried after frank was tried during the first trial uh during frank's first trial the prosecution tried to show that frank was at the crime scene aiding richard in the murder which would make him a principal in the act however after 25 hours of deliberating the jury was deadlocked forcing the judge to declare a mistrial i bet if they had plaster molds of the shoes you know what that would have that would have been the nail in the coffin because you know how many times murderers wear the same shoes they wore to a crime to a police station or to wherever and it's like what do you have on your feet there? At that time, you probably only owned one pair of shoes. You're right. Those are like your workout shoes. Yep. Those are your house shoes. <laughs> I was watching a dating show today, and usually I hate dating shows, but this one's really funny, and I won't get into it because it's <laughs> neither here nor there. But one of the things was this kid had to give up five pairs of his shoes to like meddle in somebody else's like dating activity. And he was so reluctant. But then everybody around him is like, you have 20 pairs of shoes here with you. You can give up five to do this one thing. Like, what are you talking about? Do you have like three shoe suitcases? Apparently you have to. 
I went to New York and I had to pack two pairs of shoes and wear a pair. And that took up too much room in my suitcase. <laughs> like, I don't want to check a bag because I have too many shoes too with many me. Shoes. I love shoes, but it's just there's a limit sometimes. Yeah. You're right. These people back then did not have that One many pair shoes. of shoes. That's yeah. all you had. <laughs> so the second trial for Frank had a new jury. So the prosecution called one of the doctors who did the autopsy on Joseph. So that was Dr. Pearson, the second doctor. Second doctor. So as we were talking, if you remember, like he claimed there were, there could be more than one person, you know, that helped the prosecution saying that Frank was there being like a doctor said there could be more than one person there. And so that's how they got, they got his testify. They got the doctor to testify against Frank for him being the second intruder. But to put the nail in the coffin of Frank, the prosecution walked the jury through the crime, stating, quote, the prosecution said this, quote, a healthful old man to whom sleep was sweet, the first sound slumbers of the night held him in their soft but strong embrace. The assassin entered through the window already prepared. With noiseless foot, he paces the lonely hall, half lighted by the moon. He winds up the scent of the stairs and reaches the door of the chambers. Of this, he moves the lock by soft and continued pressure till it turns on its hinges without noise, and he enters and beholds his victim before him. Unquote. That was beautiful. (laughs) Sweet, sweet poetry. Like, the moment he said that, the whole jury was just like snaps. Yep. I almost want to do it with sound effects. Right. <laughs> the eking of the floorboards. <laughs> the soft, slow pressure of the lot. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> but like this whole, like that was just part of the whole thing he said. And that was what convinced the jury to. So they took the entire jury to this guy's house and like reenacted <laughs> Could you imagine doing that now? That would be amazing. That's what we're missing in modern society. Yes, you're absolutely correct. We should have, um, what is that? We should have trials at the... At the scene of the crime. At the scene of the crime. Thank you. That's exactly, yeah. Brilliant. (laughs) We're on to something here. So the jury at this point only deliberated for five hours before convicting Frank. And on September 28th, 1830 frank knapp was hanged in front of the salem jail his brother joe was hanged three months later for his involvement richard's brother george on the other hand had an alibi for the night of joseph's murder so the charges were dropped so even though he was there for the meetings and stuff like that because he had an alibi and these women were like he was with us he got off do you know what his full alibi was he was with like uh, sex workers. Yep. He was accompanied by two ladies, is what it said. Ooh, um, <laughs> two ladies of the night. Two ladies of the night, yeah. And they both were like, yeah, we were with him that night. So he got off. So Somebody survived this <laughs> whole event. You know what? I think that's always the answer you need. That's what uh, your alibi <laughs> should always be. I'm sure you could pay someone to say oh, they I'm were sure. with you. Yeah, easy enough. Best, best sex I've ever had. <laughs> Testified in court. <laughs> so that's the murder of Captain Joseph White. Uh, two famous writers at the time used this trial as inspiration for their novels. One being Nathaniel Hawthorne, who I've talked about in previous episodes during about the Salem Witch Trials. He wasn't alive during the Salem Witch Trials, but his uncle was one of the judges for the Salem Witch Trials. So he has like a really close connection and he used the Salem Witch Trials a lot, but he used this specific crime for his book, The Scarlet Letter. Okay. For the character Reverend Arthur Dimsdale. My favorite character from the book. Who doesn't love a reverend? <laughs> Preach. <laughs> <laughs> that character, I get, he's like haunted by the secret of being Hester's lover and Arthur may not have killed anybody, like, in real life, mm-hmm. but his need to release the secret he had been holding on to was kind of, like, it's, like, reminiscent of Joe 
who hired the hitmen and stuff like that. I see the connection there. Right. Yeah. Also, if you've read The Scarlet Letter, you probably have a better understanding. Like, I've seen the movie, but... I'm, I'm illiterate, so... I've seen Easy A, so oh, I yeah, understand. Oh, Easy A. That's a great movie. <laughs> great movie. He also used, the like, the family dynamics during the White Trial as inspiration for his book, House of Seven Gables. So he took inspiration a lot. Not a movie. No. The uh, other famous writer is Edgar Allan Poe. Heard of that guy? Very famous, one of my favorite authors of all time. He found inspiration in the murder murder trial for his short story, The Telltale Heart. That's the one with the raven, yeah? No, that's the raven. (laughs) That would make a lot of sense. (laughs) Telltale Heart is about... um, the, The narrator is having an uncontrollable urge to murder, like an older man. I think in the same building that he's living in and he like continues to hear this old man's heartbeat and that's uh, like what the drives Simpsons him. The Simpsons did a parody on this one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So, so the Simpsons drew inspiration yes. from Edgar Allan Poe who drew inspiration yes. from this murder trial and then like he kills the older man but after even after he murders him and like cuts him into little pieces he still hears his heartbeat. It's, it's cre- like I don't know but like that's the inspiration like they killed this old man, but they still are feeling this like need to release the what they did to the police, and that's what happens in the short story too. He hears this heartbeat, and he gets so anxious he just blurts it out to the police. So it's like, what a bad killer, horrible killer, horrible killer. And you, you take that secret to your grave. Yep. Or you just hang yourself so you don't get in trouble. That too. Yep. And save your brother. Yeah. Because your brother survived, <laughs> but. Uh, the Telltale Heart was published 13 years after the murder of Captain Joseph White, and The Scarlet Letter was published seven years after that. So 20 years after. Yeah. Uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne also kept tabs on the trial during the trial. Like, he wrote for the Salem Gazette. And he wrote, he either wrote under a pen name or he never signed his writings. So nobody really knows for sure if what was published in the Salem Gazette was written by Nathaniel Hawthorne or by someone else at the paper, but he was... Uh, he was closely related to it. He was very close yeah. to the trial and kept close tabs on that. But um, little creepy, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you ready for a fun, back, fun fact before we take a break? Yeah. Okay, I'm sure you've heard of the Parker Brothers game Clue. Of course. Love Clue. Everyone does. Candlestick, Library, Mrs. White what i you know (laughs) but uh the not the game per se but uh the idea of the game came from a game called cluedo which is from england Mm -hmm. so this murder didn't inspire the game however the board design is based on the the house what and there's i guess there's even like an earlier box design that shows that specific house on the front of the box that's nice and so yeah so like the so parker brothers bought the rights of the game from england Mm -hmm. and when they were publishing it and creating it for america this house was the design of the board and then the picture was on the box that's cool see we need to find another murder and just turn it into a board game. Brilliant. Like, let's take, like, OJ, and, like, you have to, like, drive your Ford around, yes. your Bronco around the board. Yes, and then you have to find the right glove. The right glove, so you don't get caught by the cops in the end. There's a bunch of gloves, and you have to find the right one. The right one. glove. Oh, my God. <laughs> Genius. Uh, we're trademarking that. Yep. No one can take that. The game comes with four gloves, but you can buy an expansion pack for an eight glove. <laughs> oh my god. And then the ending is like, you win if you uh, drive down the highway and get away with... Yeah. And the police don't With alleged out. murder. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. We'll be right back. Uh, we have ghosts to talk about. So. Cool. Okay, let's get into the paranormal. 
So today, as I was saying, the house still exists. You can take a tour of the house. It's now called uh, the Gardner Pingree House because the builder of the house was Gardner and then another prominent person who owned it, his last name was Pingree. But that's what's called, Gardner Pingree House. The house is owned by the Peabody Essex Museum today, uh, who returned the house to its like 1814 condition. So everything inside is like kind of what would have been during the murder. The museum also owns the club that Richard created and used to murder Captain Joseph White. Oh, at first I thought you meant like the club. <laughs> like he had a club downstairs and got wild. That would be amazing. Like a speakeasy in a museum type murder house. Like see we have too many good ideas for this. <laughs> you're right. Have you seen the movie uh Blade? Yes. Okay, do you remember I think it's like the opening scene where they're all in like a butcher yep. room and they're all just like a massive club. Like that's kind of what I'm thinking. In a basement of a murder house. A sweet club. We'd make so much money. People would... Oh my god, yeah. And then we'd sell our board game. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's just all you do. You come to play that game game. in the murder house. (laughs) So, if you go to visit, expect the usual paranormal activity type stuff. Uh, Footsteps. Other strange noises have been heard by museum employees. Even when tours aren't going on like they're there just fixing things and only hear strange footsteps or other noises objects in the house seem to move on their own so not that people have seen objects move but objects will show up in different places that you did not put them like blake's doll is now somehow in the house yes yes that would be creepy though like <laughs> knowing you put like something here or something well, just that's lives the kind of here stuff that, like makes you lose your mind yes and then you like then you really start seeing stuff yes yeah those are also some of my favorite pranks to pull when i'm in someone's house <laughs> what a puck. nothing like <laughs> super obvious but just like uh at my grandma's one time i flip-flopped the soap and the lotion in the bathroom because it's such a natural thing to go to the soap or whatever, yeah. so you don't think about it anymore, and then you do it in its lotion. You be might like, be worse than a serial killer. <laughs> You're like a lotion monster. It's hilarious to me. It's like, how, why is this here? Like, I love that. So we put, like, craft singles on my grandma's fan blade, so when she turned the fan on, craft singles would go fine. Beautiful. That's clearly a prank. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah, I love that idea. Or, like, flip-flopping uh, picture frames in a house. Like, you just come downstairs one day and two photos are different on different walls. Like, that would be... That's messed up. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's creepy to me. Because, yeah. like, the options are someone's been in my house without me knowing or ghosted or so it. Or then you, like, you really start thinking, like, did I put this here? Right. Or did I not, like, did or something that. move it? Yeah. And if it keeps happening... Exactly. You're either losing your mind... Yeah. There's a ghost in your house or some person within your house which i don't think any of those are good options no or blake's playing a trick prank or, on yeah, you, Blake but, was you know. <laughs> over and now you have really soft hands but they're kind of dirty exactly <laughs> <laughs> nothing bad you know another common occurrence is seeing faces appearing in the second floor windows um Ooh, like the brothers who killed him so that's kind of like debated amongst people it's like no one can really tell who it is whether it'd be like Joseph, who was murdered in his bedroom, and he's looking out the window, or if it is one of the brothers that was hanged, and they're looking out the window, or who knows, it could be... That spot could have had witch shit from it from earlier, and that's when... And this is a second-story window? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like someone's just chilling outside. No, exactly. And these, like, people looking out the window on the second floor is also, like, a lot of photos have been taken of yeah people looking out the window so it's it's and like usually like photos again i bring this up a lot but it's like nowadays it's so easy to manipulate photos um but when you have such a huge amount of photos yeah saying the same thing it's way more believable and that's kind of what this situation is past ghost experiences it's like oh there's a photo or two here or there but this is like a lot of photos a lot of people have experienced this have we sent the ghost adventurers 
to this house yet? I don't know if the ghost adventures... I don't think the ghost adventures have been there. Other paranormal investigators have gone. Uh, there is even, like, a tour set up specifically for paranormal investigators. So it was, like, a group of different paranormal investigators went to this house. Yes. <laughs> paranormal investigators. Yes. They, uh went to this house and every single last one of them even like the skeptical ones said walking into the house they felt nothing like there was nothing going on everything was chill it was a nice house they loved it every last one of them felt weird going to the second floor weird so the second they got up to that second floor they're like something's not right up here right exactly so i think that's fascinating that every last one of them was like nope it starts here Many also get, like, when they got up to the second floor, a lot of them also got the fight-or-flight response. Oh, cool. Of, like, I'm going to fight this ghost yeah. right now, or I'm going to run the hell out of this place. Do people... So I'm guessing the vibe isn't that it's the ghost of the captain. That's the interesting thing. Is like, some people have said that they feel, like, uh, a male energy or whatever mm-hmm. other people have felt female energy from that space interesting so yeah it could be a multitude of ghosts living in that house maybe he was doing something else. maybe he did have a club downstairs or is it like because this is a shady guy oh my god yeah so i'm thinking he had something going on in this house that was extra shady he could have yeah he uh, Joe, Richard, Frank, and George could have just said it was to get the money from the yeah. will, but actually they killed him to like save someone. Or I'm thinking, yeah, there might have been like bodies in the basement. There still could be bodies in the basement. Yeah. Who's digging that up? Someone go to the basement <laughs> and see if there's some bones down there. Yeah, because I bet that house is like where it's not like a full basement. It's just like a dirt floor basement. Yeah. Or like a half basement or whatever, where you just just start digging. Like that's like one of the places the crawl space has like a mass yeah. grave in it. Yeah. If it's not bodies, I bet you find gold. Yep. Either way. Go go look. <laughs> go look. <laughs> so I also find it fascinating, like fight or flight are usually what we talk about when we get like anxious like yeah. that. Recently I was listening to podcasts and they were talking about how that's not the only response people get anymore. It's like fight, flight or fawn so there's like that third option of pleading with the person instead of fighting them or running away yeah, they like, like negotiating negotiating with yeah. yeah so fight flight or fawn which i think is fascinating Interesting. that's cool depending on who you are or what situation you're in i feel like i i mean for people like us that are naturally charismatic and very attractive perfect we would definitely fawn and probably get our way exactly <laughs> i agree you know what We'll leave it at that. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Again, there were like, you could see ghost figures on the second floor windows, but there have also been photos taken as people are like entering the house, the f- outside front door area, where there have been photos of uh, like ghostly shapes. So more than just orbs. Right. Yeah. So it's the step above orb, but yeah. not. Not like a full. Body. Not apparition. apparition. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like things that don't quite make sense in the photo like mm-hmm. it's blo- like i've seen the photos yeah. and it's weird because a when you take a bunch of photos at once they're not all the same and b it's like it literally looks like there's like a film on like a third of the f- lens does that make yeah. sense yeah so yeah not quite orb not quite apparition somewhere in between um not a girl not yet a woman britney spears is right in the middle that kind of thing <sighs> okay so the last thing that's like very prominent about the space is that it's like folklore if you will that if you visit on april 6th the day he was murdered you will see the ghost of richard kill the ghost of captain joseph white is this like a guarantee so they say (laughs) because this is three days before my birthday this sounds like a birthday trip oh my god yes (laughs) We'll take a, we'll go to Boston and then we'll take a day trip out to Salem. We'll go hit up the Cheers bar in Boston. (laughs) Hell yes. Yes. I'm all in. Then we'll go to Salem and watch a man get murdered. All in. Which makes us accessories. Okay. And then we have to. Bystanders. Yeah. I'll testify against the ghost of. (laughs) If I get $50. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, uh, send $50 yeah. in the mail, and then I'll show up to this murder, uh, ghost murder. Yeah, if we could watch it happen, that, I'd be in. That's like, that'd be iconic. We, and then we'd write about it in the Salem Gazette. Yep. Have, we'll write another, uh, ultra high-selling novel about it. Yep. First-hand experience. Okay, Steven, it's set. We're doing I'm sold. it. <laughs> we, by the end of... By April 7th, we are going to have, like, $70 million. <laughs> you know, I could use it, yeah. so that'd be perfect. So, you would vi- would you visit the house? I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm i really leery about ghosts. I don't like being around them. Yeah, I don't yeah. like seeing them. <laughs> if you could guarantee me a good show... Without any consequences? Without any... I might be there. Okay. Um... I don't think I want to be at this place. <laughs> no, that's fair. I mean, like, it was a horrible murder. Yeah, like It wasn't I, an accident. It wasn't, yeah. I love a good ghost movie. Fair. But I don't like being around ghosts. Fair. Speaking of, I just saw Scream 4. Yeah? Uh, ghost Face. Good. And uh, I loved it. I've heard great things about it. I contemplated if I wanted to say that or not. Um, it's, I would say it's up there with the first one. Really? Yeah. I can't say it's better than the first one because you wouldn't have this one without the first one. Yeah. But it's... Equally in- as entertaining. Oh, yeah. For okay. sure. I'll watch it. Great. Who doesn't love Ghost Faced? Uh, <laughs> everyone he kills. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Fair. Yeah. You're right. Um, have you... In- like, you, did you say you had experiences, like paranormal experiences? Yeah, so I see, you know, my first dog in reflections all the time. And typically that means a family member's sick. So... It, is that only at your family house or just anywhere? everywhere. Okay. So, like, I've even had it living in Chicago. I'll see my dog. I call my family immediately. See if anyone's sick. I've seen... And so it's, it's happened where it's like you've seen the dog and yep. someone has been sick. I had a dream where this lady I knew died. I saw her ghost in my dream, and that night she died. Damn. So I don't mess with ghosts. I. Uh, Did she die the way you dreamt it? So in my so full story, I used to work at this pizza place, mm-hmm. and I was a pizza delivery driver. And this old lady would always drink at the bar. And my last day there, she like gave me a hug, said goodbye, said she was gonna miss me. Two weeks later, never thought about this woman again. Right. I would in my in my dream, I was in my car pulling out of my garage, and my dad always waves to me from the garage door. Mm-hmm. Over my dad's shoulder was this lady's ghost. I woke up that morning, thought nothing of it. Right. That night, my mom came home from a party and was like, "Oh my goodness, did you know so and so from this pizza place?" And I'm like, oh, yeah, I had this really weird dream about her last night. And that night she was hit and killed by a car. Damn. Walking on the side of the road. I think that's interesting. So you you didn't see her in your dream. You literally saw her ghost, ghost in the dream. from my car in the dream. Wow. Yeah. Freaks. Yeah. I get the chills every time I tell it. That's creepy. And what also scares me is I'm a very prevalent sleepwalker. I didn't know that. Yeah. Do you still do it today? Yeah. Like, I'll sit up, I'll walk around, I'll talk. Do you remember that, though? Nope. So now I'm like, damn, did I sleepwalk into the car? (laughs) And run this poor woman down? I don't know. You did not. (laughs) I doubt it, but I don't know. Oh, my God. Um, No. Okay, so sleepwalking, have you had any, like, sleep paralysis? No, only sleep. I never remember it. I've sleptwalked into trunks of cars. Whoa. Yeah, my parents thought they lost me. I've, like, peed in corners. So have you, like, woken up in weird places, or are you just always back in your bed by the time you wake up? I'm always back in my bed. Okay. But, like, I'm, like, the kind of, like, like uh, Will Ferrell and stepbrothers, like, messing around in the kitchen kind of sleepwalker. <laughs> so I've never experienced sleepwalk. I've never seen anybody do it. Ever. My brother had, like, night terrors when he was really young. So he literally would be screaming bloody murder like he was being murdered. He never woke up. He never remembered any of it. But he'd wake up the whole house like he'd be... It's the creepiest scream I've ever heard in my entire life. Insane. So it's like that's kind of what I related to. But like I couldn't imagine seeing somebody 
wander. It's like seeing your friend like blacked out drunk. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, I can't believe you don't remember. It's just like weird to me. Like I can't imagine that. Yeah. This never happened to me. Yeah. But yeah. Long story short, I see ghosts. <laughs> you see dead people. Yeah. I yeah. Sadly, I do. I'm glad you haven't had sleep paralysis because that shit scares. Oh, I'm sure like death. Dana would be petrified. I mean, she's already scared when I like sit up and like say weird stuff. Yeah. Because I have very vivid dreams. Right. And I'm sure I talk about my weird dreams. Yeah. That's fun though. I think I'd like that. Where it's just like having a conversation. No, I don't think I'd <laughs> like that either. <laughs> You're right. I don't. I think the sitting up, like, because I again, my brother has talked like talks in his sleep a lot. It's not night terrors any longer, but he will talk in his sleep. So like. It's kind of funny to hear yeah. it sometimes. It's like, I mean, you say something stupid, like right. it's funny, but like, you hear someone say like, "I didn't kill him." Right. <laughs> no, that wasn't me. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. You, yeah, you uh, plotting out an entire murder in your sleep. Yeah, that's not. That's not cute. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. Or like, I hear Dana talking about like, I don't know, Elijah Wood in her dream. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Why you're gonna fight Elijah yeah. Wood? <laughs> hey Elijah, I'm coming for you. <laughs> and that's a promise. That's a promise. I'm bringing donuts. Oh my god, please. <laughs> well, thanks Stephen for joining me. I had a pleasure. This was fun. Uh, y'all can follow Haunted Hometowns on social media for guest info, photos related to each episode, and upcoming news. Please subscribe if it not only helps the podcast grow, but it reminds you every time a new episode is posted. If you like what you hear, give the show a five-star rating and leave compliments. Don't forget to share the podcast to everybody you know. And if you'd like your ghost story, your own paranormal story, read on the podcast, email me at hauntedhometownspodcast. Hauntedhometownspodcast at gmail.com. Could be anything from hearing whispers while you're home alone, painting your nails, to your harness being undone in the middle of a roller coaster. Let me know. And again, Stephen, thanks for joining me. Anytime. And I will be back in a week because everyone loves a ghost story. The theme music is by Ty Air. Follow him on Instagram at For Boys Like Me. That's F O R, Boys Like Me. The artwork is by Pepe Munoz. Follow him on Instagram at p.e.p.e.munoz, M U N O Z. I got my information from an article in Smithsonian by E.J. Wagner, Wikipedia, Salem Ghost Map, and the book Wicked Salem by Sam Baltrusis. <laughs>